The state of Texas has a new interim attorney general who the governor appointed for the job. And hurricane season officially begins tomorrow and we already have an area of interest in the Gulf coming up in first morning weather. And will lawmakers on Capitol Hill finally vote on a debt limit agreement? What plays into a possible decision and what could happen if the nation defaults? We are getting new details about the arrest of a man whom city leaders are now describing as a serial killer. Thanks so much for joining us tonight at 5. I'm Britt Moreno. I'm Daniel Marine. Convicted of one murder, DNA evidence links him to another. And investigators say he confessed to three more. Police records now show the violent way a Pflugerville man died and how they're connecting the suspect to other possible killings in Central Texas. KXAN's Will Dupree took an in-depth look at the documents and gathered reaction from neighbors. It's a very frightening thought to think that someone was murdered close by. Peggy Pendergraf Lino shared her reaction to city leaders calling the man accused of killing her neighbor in Pflugerville a serial killer. Serial killer? That is just outrageous that a person could have killed six, seven, eight, nine, ten people and still walking the streets. A block away, the sound of crews working could be heard outside the home where police found Jesse Fraga dead on May 20th. New court documents describe officers finding blood in several rooms after Fraga's niece asked them to check on the 80-year-old. Police say they found a knife in a bathroom and an autopsy revealed Fraga died from a stab wound to the neck. Someone at Fraga's church told us the congregation is still processing what happened. And a man working nearby says his thoughts are with the victim's family. Even if it's a stranger you'll never meet, never know, don't even know their name. It's, it's, it's sad, unfortunate situation. The murder suspect, Raul Meza Jr., lived with the victim in Pflugerville. And police say he agreed to move out May 12th, the same day Fraga was last seen alive. Meza later called Austin police and told them, I think you are looking for me. Police say he confessed to killing Fraga and claimed the two had a sexual relationship. According to the court filings, police say Meza also told them he killed a woman in Austin in 2019 and two others in San Antonio. The police department there told us its homicide detectives are in communication with Austin PD and currently looking into the statements made by the suspect. Will Dupree, KXAN News. And because of Mesa's string of confessions, Austin police filed a murder search warrant against him related to the 2019 death of Gloria Lofton. In their latest court filing, police say Mesa told them he killed her and he expected to get some kind of inheritance money. Now, after her death, police also say a DNA swab taken from the victim's body came back in 2020 as a match for Mesa. Coming up in our 6 p.m. newscast, we're going to start to examine more on that. Going in depth on this, more on what we touched upon at the start of our coverage. Raul Mesa was convicted of murdering eight-year-old Kendra Page in 1982 in Austin. He was sentenced to 30 years in prison, but only served 11 because a state law that is no longer in effect enabled him to seek freedom after good behavior behind bars back then. Retired Travis County Judge Charlie Baird says the law piggybacked on what he referred to as a sentence allowing for Mesa's early release. Time of his sentence in 1982, if he was a model prisoner and received good conduct time, he was given credit for that and that credit was mandatory and that therefore effectively reduced his sentence. 
You can get a better look at all the details in this convoluted case right now at KXAN.com. And there we have a detailed map and pictures of everything we know of Raul Mesa's criminal history from his convicted crime to his charges that he's facing today. That's over on KXAN.com. The state of Texas now has a new interim attorney general. Governor Abbott appointed former Texas Secretary of State John Scott today following the impeachment of Ken Paxton. Scott began his time as Secretary of State in 2021, but stepped down the next year. He's an attorney with over 34 years of experience and returned to his private practice after his resignation. Now, he served in the Texas Attorney General's office and was the Deputy Attorney General for civil litigation as well. Now, in a statement, Governor Abbott said Scott's, quote, decades of experience and expertise in litigation will help guide him while serving as the state's top law enforcement officer. David is here now, and it really was the first day in a while where you turned on the car and you couldn't get the air conditioning <laughs> to come out fast yes, enough, yeah. you know? Especially <laughs> if it's been parked outside for a while yes. in the sun. It was 91 degrees today, the hottest day in more than a week. But remember, this is still pretty typical for this time of the year. Average highs on this final day of what's usually our wettest month of the year, 91 degrees. That's exactly where we ended up at Camp Maybury. Beautiful evening out there. It's just a little warm and muggy, 89 under partly cloudy skies in downtown Austin. Temperatures elsewhere generally in the middle and upper 80s. It's 86 right now in Dripping Springs. The radar, as it has been all day, completely dry from west to east. Coming up, though, we'll have new outlooks for the month of June, why this month could be a bit more good news like we've seen this month, and also talk about that disturbance we're watching in the Gulf. All right, David, thank you very much. In Washington, the debt limit agreement passed its first hurdle, but the bill is still not out of the woods yet. Tonight, the full House of Representatives has to vote to pass it on to the Senate. Speaker Kevin McCarthy needs 150 Republican votes, and an already hardliners have said that they will not vote for it. And now it's up to the Speaker to rally his supporters to save his bill. And as Alice Barr reports, at the same time, Democrats must also unify to pass the bill the President has negotiated. All this while the deadline looms close to avoid default. With a deal in hand to prevent a catastrophic government default by as soon as Monday, now the rubber hits the road to pass the bipartisan debt ceiling and budget cuts package over objections from the far right and left. We're going to deal with the debt ceiling. We have we have, I think things are going as planned, God willing. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy rounding up the votes. Don't sit back and say, I wanted something so much more. Yeah, there's a lot of things I want too, but this is one that moves us in the right direction. After more than 30 Republican members said they would not support the bill, arguing spending cuts don't go far enough. I encourage my colleagues to vote no on the rule and to oppose this legislation. That means enough Democrats will have to vote yes to avoid default. The top House Democrats saying he's on board while insisting the GOP has to rally the bulk of the support. House Democrats are going to make sure that the country does not default, period, full stop. But at the same time, it is important for House Republicans to do their part. The 99-page bill suspends the nation's debt limit past the 2024 elections in exchange for spending cuts and caps and conservative priorities like restarting student loan payments on hold since 2020 and expanding work requirements for government aid programs like SNAP food assistance, a red line for some House progressives. And if we want to have credibility with the progressive wing of the party, then we need to be able to show that we're fighting for them. A fight for the American 
American economy playing out on the House floor less than a week before the default deadline. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. Now, once the bill gets through the Republican-controlled House, it still has to clear the Democratic-led Senate, where it is expected to face similar opposition from the far right and left. Now, senators could use procedural rules to drag out that process right up to the deadline. And ahead of tonight's vote in the House, I spoke with Austin Democratic Congressman Greg Kassar, and he told me that he is voting no on the debt limit agreement, and he said that's what the people he represents want. I'm hearing from people from Austin to San Antonio that they want to see us stand up for housing programs. They want to see us stand up for more funding for our schools and for our teachers. And they want to see us stand up to this brinksmanship from the extreme right wing. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Now, Kassar told me that he and other House progressives plan to vote no, but only after they see that the deal is going to pass. A slow return for a community still grieving. What's next for the Outlet Mall in North Texas following a recent deadly mass shooting? Well, we all have to wear our bags when we check them on a plane, but would you weigh yourself before boarding? The measure an international airline is taking in the name of safety. And apparently lawmakers want to give cheaper property tax bills to us Texans. But that might take longer than we think. The battle over tax relief and what it could mean for your bills. Today, the Allen Outlet Mall in North Texas, where a gunman terrorized shoppers a month ago, is back open for business. The outlet's website says stores will have some flexibility to set their own hours of operations at their own pace. On May 6th, a gunman shot and killed eight people, including three children, and wounded seven others. An officer there who was there because of an unrelated call shot and killed that shooter. The outlet owner said it will commission a permanent memorial to the lives lost on that property. Well, it's an unusual request for airline passengers on the other side of the world. Air New Zealand is asking some 10,000 international flyers if they would be willing to step on a scale before they fly. Now, the voluntary survey is designed to calculate the average weight of passengers over the next month. It's all for safety. Industry experts say knowing how much everything weighs on board, including fuel, baggage, passengers, and more, helps planes fly more efficiently while remaining balanced. Now, the scales in the airport will not display any passenger's weight. That will instead just go right into the computer. Might depend on if you're weighing yourself before the vacation or after the vacation. <laughs> so true. Right? Yes. Hey, no measurable rain today in Austin. This is typically our wettest month of the year, and parts of the Hill Country almost saw a foot of rain this month. Technically a little short of normal in Austin this month, 4.3 instead of just over 5 inches. Your forecast for June coming up next. Texas lawmakers want to give you a cheaper property tax bill, but they're a long way from figuring out exactly how to do this as top Republicans continue to feud over competing ideas for tax relief. Now we're taking a deeper look into the plans and what that could mean for you. Our Ryan Chandler spoke with the governor's office and the senator behind one of the bills. He breaks down what it could mean for your wallets. Rising property tax alone have become almost so unsustainable that that alone is closing their doors. Businesses, homeowners, and Texas's top leaders all agree. We want to save the taxpayers money. Cutting property taxes is priority number one. But after five months of discord and a short-lived special session, no deal. 
The governor can put things on the call, but he can't prescribe the form of the solution. Governor Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, and Speaker Phelan all brought their own ideas for how to lower taxes. On Tuesday, the House swiftly passed a plan endorsed by Governor Abbott. It's called tax rate compression. Essentially, it dedicates $17.6 billion to buy down school district tax rates, basically footing the bill for you. This is a plan that we feel like is equitable. It doesn't pick winners or losers. Our small business owners will get tax relief. Homeowners will get tax relief. Renters will get tax relief. The Senate plan has some of that, but it also pushes a $100,000 homestead exemption. That's two and a half times more than you can currently deduct from your property tax bill. This is the most powerful thing you can do as a tax writer, because if you exempt somebody from taxation, they never pay. And they never pay the next year, and they never pay the year after that. Supporters of the Abbott plan predict it will save the average homeowner $1,300 over two years. The Senate predicts Dan Patrick's plan will save them more than $2,500 in the same time. I know the governor must be on our side with this. I can't imagine he wouldn't be. I can't imagine the governor will say to 5.7 million homeowners, you're not going to get a homeowner's exemption. Ryan Chandler, KXAN News. And the governor's office tells us in a statement this evening that the governor's tax plan is backed by over 30 organizations and the most respected tax policy groups. It goes on to say that the governor will sign the largest property tax cut in state history once the Senate votes to pass the legislation. Now, property taxes were a top priority this legislative session. Are you looking for a full recap on what other top priorities were and what happened or didn't happen to them? Well, our KXM politics team breaks it down for you where they all landed in the legislature, just head to KXAN.com and search Capital Closeouts. It's that time of year, graduation season. High school graduations go through Friday. So here's what's coming up tonight. AISD's Aikens Early College High School students will graduate at 7 at the Burger Activity Center. And Hayes CISD's Live Oak Academy students will graduate at 6 at Texas State University's Strahan Arena. And we just want to say a big congratulations to all the graduates. And we should also say congratulations to the parents. It takes a lot of love <laughs> and support true. to get you and money that sometimes. And money. And with my parents, it was like, okay, you need to make these grades to get it. So sure. it's a lot. I know. It's Very a exciting. lot. Yes. And some of those outdoor celebrations say, can always be hot this time. Congratulations to those who are graduating indoors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was true. the right call today. But hey, we're looking ahead to the new month tomorrow. Right. June, of course, begins meteorological summer. And look at this. We got new outlooks today from the NOAA Climate Prediction Center, and they have changed for the month of June. Now it looks possible that we could continue this on and off wetter than normal weather pattern. Overall, we could be in the green in terms of rainfall for the month ahead. And also, instead of the hotter than normal they were previously, uh, weather that they were previously predicting, now near normal temperatures looking more likely. This is wonderful news after last June, you'll recall, was Austin's hottest ever recorded. This is what the June 2022 high temperature board looked like in Austin. Nine record highs. Almost every single day was hotter than normal. We have a lot of reasons to believe this June just won't be as bad. Temperatures actually kept down today because of the recent rainfall. The soil moisture helps to uh, keep the temperatures down a little bit compared to where they could be. Of course, it counteracts that with some humidity. So 89 right now in Austin feels like 90. The heat index a little warmer down in San Marcos at 93. Overall, though, these are very typical temperatures for May 31. 
The pollen count looking just like it has all week. Mold is medium and trending downward. Grass is low. A few other things that you can always track for yourself hour by hour on KXAN.com. Also checking in in the low category. Pretty calm weather here across central Texas. A little Gulf of Mexico sea breeze trying to bring some rain, but failing in doing so today and tomorrow. That's because high pressure, blue H meaning blue skies, is moving right over us from west Texas. This is the dominant feature in a dry start to the month for the first couple of days. But once we get to Friday night into the weekend, this spinning storm that we first warned you about a couple days ago, this is going to be a big factor in the weather, possibly raining out some of our weekend plans. High temperatures until then, a little warmer than normal just by a fraction here on the temperature chart 92 93 for the first several days of the month but notice on Sunday they go down several degrees this is actually because the rain chances pick up on Saturday just a 30% chance of thunderstorms but Sunday more clouds a 50% chance of some late day rain hopefully that keeps some of us in the 80s not only this Sunday but early and mid next week a few more scattered showers and storms continue and now a little more optimism in our seven day rainfall total forecast hoping now for an inch to an inch and a quarter in many areas by next Wednesday night. Told you at the top of the show that hurricane season officially begins tomorrow as well. We still have this little area of investigation. It's called an invest in the eastern gulf. There's still a 20% chance of some tropical development, but mainly we're just expecting some heavy rain, some flooding in the Florida peninsula. You can see that dirty east side of the storm already bringing some heavy rain to that state. This, remember, is moving away from Texas, so no immediate threats to us. Tonight's forecast, 69 degrees, just like last night, mostly clear, a couple low clouds by sunrise. Tomorrow, it looks hot and it looks dry. South-southeast winds at 5 to 15 and high temperatures just about on target for average at 92. After a hot day on Friday, there is a slight chance of a hill country thunderstorm late in the evening. Rain chances, remember, go up later in the weekend. And now it looks like early next week, rain chances peak on Monday at 60%. Hopefully that'll lead to a couple of cooler than normal days in the upper 80s before we slowly dry out a bit later in the week. All right, David, thank you very much. More names are entering the presidential race. The former Republican leaders looking to give voters an alternative to former President Trump. Former Vice President Mike Pence has plans to launch his 2024 presidential campaign next week. Pence is expected to kick off the campaign with a video and speech in Des Moines, Iowa on June 7th, which is also his 64th birthday. The former vice president will campaign in all 99 Iowa counties before the caucuses. Sources say there will be a focus of explaining to Republican voters why he split from former President Donald Trump and certified the 2020 election results. Pence's will be up against his former running mate Donald Trump, as well as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former governor of South Carolina Nikki Haley, and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. And you can add another name to that competition. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie is also entering the 2024 presidential race. Now, this announcement could be made next week during a town hall in Manchester, New Hampshire. This is the second presidential campaign for Christie. He finished sixth in the 2016 New Hampshire primary before dropping out of the race entirely. He then endorsed Donald Trump just days before Super Tuesday. Christie has since become a critic of Trump after the then president refused to concede his loss to Biden and pushed claims of widespread election fraud. Tonight on KXAN, it's night court at 7, Chicago Fire at 8, and Chicago PD at 9 before KXAN News at 10. Or as always, you can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 on the CW Austin. Here is where to find us.
Thanks for listening to KXAN News Nightly. You can also listen to KXAN News Today every morning for more in-depth coverage of what matters most to you. 